Good morning, again. <laughs> you guys are getting a lot of Sarah today. Uh, but I'm going to do the scripture reading this morning. Today's reading is from 1 Samuel 14, 1, and then 6 through 15, and then 22 and 23. And I know y'all just got comfortable, but why don't you stand up for the reading of God's word? One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over toward them and let, us see, let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up, because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan, his armor bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up, <clears throat> using his hands and feet, with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and the raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were out on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel, and the battle moved on beyond Beth-Avon. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Stay standing as we pray. Lord, we pray that you would give us the courage to be your solution in situations around us. And Lord, we pray that you would remind us that nothing can hinder you, as Jonathan said in this passage, that we might trust you. And Lord, encourage us with godly people all around us, good fellowship and friendship as we see in this passage. We pray these things in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted. Amen. Amen. You may be seated now. I have uh, four little boys. If you guys know me, you know my four little boys. Two of them were up here rascaling around, as you may have saw during worship. And in our house, one of the conversations, if you have little kids around you, is what's your favorite? And then fill in the blank. Maybe what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite day? Uh, in our house, since I'm a pastor, we, uh, we often talk about who's your favorite character in the Bible. And it has to be... Jesus. That's the answer. So don't, don't mess that up. If, so, uh, but the second, you could have any person as your set. Max uh, said the other day his favorite character is Adam and Eve, because uh, that's the first story. Um, but my favorite character, and I think it's a brand new favorite, and maybe this will shift uh, in, in days and weeks to come, but my favorite character in all of the Bible, oh, sorry, my second favorite character uh, in all of the Bible happens to be one of the people we just read about. It happens to be this armor bearer of Jonathan's is right now my second favorite after Jesus character in all of the Bible. What is 
an armor bearer? Uh, before researching this and thinking about it this week, I thought, does someone become a king? Or in this case, Jonathan becomes a prince or a warrior becomes a mighty warrior. And then all of a sudden, do they lose their ability to carry their own stuff around and they need somebody to help them? That's what I thought. I just imagine this, this young man uh, carrying around somebody else's stuff. But there's, of course, much more to it. This would probably be the ancient ancient uh, equivalent of like a secret service person, an armed bodyguard who was a strapping young man in this case and in many cases who would not only carry your stuff for you, but also be there going into the deadliest of battles, ready to give his own life to follow you into battle, ready to be right there with you as you and him could die together, ready to be right there with someone and celebrating their best, most victorious battles ever, this person was like the quintessential sidekick. Do you like sidekicks, like in movies and fiction? I think about uh, the hero always has somebody, a loyal sidekick with them. And I oftentimes, in, in stories and in fiction and movies, like I'm all, all, always like fascinated by this character. Like I resonate, I identify with this character, this sidekick character. Imagine, uh, like think of, thinking of the, some of the fictional sidekick characters, sidekick characters that there are. I think about, uh, some of you will know who this is, the Lone Ranger and... Tonto, or what would in the humor category? What would uh, and I've watched this recently. What in the world would the Andy Griffith show be without the the wily, wield, gun wielding sidekick, Barney Fife? Or uh, think about. Um, Luke Skywalker and this uh, little upside-down trash can with three legs that has no fear whatsoever, and there's not a single line this little character says. He just whistles like, and and who are we talking about? R2D, this famous little character that is completely fearless and seems helpless, but he has the most courage and bravery. I think of uh, the character in uh, Finding Nemo, the dad, is with someone all through the journey, this kind of annoying little character, but, but completely loyal to the end and has a short-term memory, but can only remember a loyalty that is unceasing. Of course, we're talking about Dory. And throughout these, these stories uh, are these sidekicks, loyal, faithful to the end. And I see that here in my new second favorite character in all of the Bible, this sidekick of Jonathan's armor bearer. So today, there's, there's three points of this sermon. That's usually how my sermons go. Not always, but we'll, we'll uh, the last, the third point, one, two, three, the third point, we'll get back into this loyalty, this obedience of the sidekick of the armor bearer. The second point that we'll get to is probably the most important this morning. It's the overarching theme that God is to be trusted in, in the highs and the lows. And in this situation, it's in encouraged that the Lord is to be trusted. And I will quote the line that Jonathan says that, that nothing can hinder the Lord. And the first point uh, that we'll get right into in five seconds uh, is talking about how we can be a solution. So if you're taking notes, write down point one. There'll be three points. Point one is you, that's all of us, me, we can all be a godly solution. What is something around you that you 
are maybe being called to be the solution around you, that God is calling you to be that person, to be that solution. Um, maybe you hear this phrase, and maybe the next time you hear, hear this phrase, you will think back to the sermon and be like, oh yeah, maybe I'm the solution God is calling upon. But how many of you often hear this, hear this phrase? You hear, well, somebody should do something. Have you heard that before? Maybe this week you'll hear that. Someone around you will be like, man, someone ought to do something. And then you'll remember this sermon and you'll be encouraged by Jonathan and think, well, maybe I am that person. Maybe me and somebody else can be the solution to a huge problem. I have written down here just the idea that God does not need an army to change the world. He, in this story, he just needs one guy and one guy's sidekick that will end up changing the course of this battle, of the war, of the future. It will get recorded in scripture. And here we are today thinking, wow, maybe, maybe we can be a solution to a problem we see around ourselves. And God is leading us to that, leading us to a moment. Think about our lives. We live our lives. We don't really measure our lives in minutes. Uh, our, our, the average life is made up of 39 million minutes. I know that because I Googled it. And what is that? Like, what is 39? Like, I can't even wrap my head around 39 million minutes. Like, looking back, we don't measure life by minutes. Looking forward, we're not thinking about minutes from now. We're thinking about moments, right? We look back and think, man, there has been moments that are of significance in our lives that we have been uh, entrusted with these things. And will we be called someone who is courageous and someone who leans into what God wants us to do. So look at this situation. If, if you're in your text, 1 Samuel 14, we, we kind of got the gist for the whole chapter here. The situation is pretty grim. All of Israel, the good guys, are hiding in holes. We see them going lower and lower, hiding in the ground, hiding in rocks, like an ostrich burying its head underground. Israel is not looking good. They are up against the bad guys, the Philistines, who in the previous chapter said they were as numerous as the sands on the seashore. Like there's a ton of them. They have chariots and they have charioteers. And what's more, we find out from the previous chapter that Israel had no weapons, like no swords. Like the Philistines had come, got all their weapons, made it illegal to be a blacksmith and make new weapons. In fact, if you even had a, uh, a farming tool, it had to be brought to the Philistines for them to sharpen. And so the Israelites, is this a good situation? for the good guys? No, this is a bad situation. They are hiding. The situation is pretty bleak. And yet we see two, as Israel is hiding their head, we see two faithful servants, Jonathan and his armor bearer, like mountain goats with no fear and tremendous courage going up out of the holes, out of the caves, out of hiding, to fight a battle. They will become God's solution to this problem that they're up against. And think about this. Uh, do you know who Jonathan is? He is whose son? Saul. Saul. And if you were here last week, if you know what chapter 13, chapter 12 is about in, in uh, 1 Samuel, you will know that who was king? Saul. And who just was told that you're no longer going to be king? Saul. And so what would that make Jonathan? 
like nothing, like a used to be prince. And and like, think about yourself being Jonathan in this story. All of Israel is hiding. Your dad, who's the king, just got stripped from that title. And now you probably don't have any chance of ever becoming king. Your hopes probably dashed. You have, Jonathan has, if you imagine yourself in this situation, he has every reason to just like, you know, mail it in. Just forget the whole thing. Be one of the ones hiding in the holes, ready to die. Like the situation is not looking good for him. And yet he becomes the hero of the day with his armor bearer. Think about this. Think about when situations are the most nightmaric, how it is that we all crave for someone like Jonathan to be a great leader. I was trying to think about modern day situations, and I thought in my mind about Manitou and how years ago, uh, in 2013, was the worst. How many of you were here when the floods hit Manitou? Raise your hand if you were here in Manitou. That was really, really hard days. Like maybe half of you were here. And if you remember that, we, our family lived right on Canyon Avenue, a few houses up from uh, the post office and Cliff House, the epicenter of where this disaster happened on August 9th. It was a Friday. Uh, sometime in the late evening, it's, it started raining really hard. Uh, some of you were there. Some of you were in Manitou at the time. And Erica and I were there. Erica was uh, eight months pregnant with Rowan. And torrential downpours. Uh, it, the, the town was flooded. Torrential. Horrible. You were there. You've probably seen. If you weren't there, go look up footage of it. It's on YouTube. And cars were demolished and sent down to the river. Entire houses were just swept away. And it only lasted like 10 minutes. If you were there, you remember like, wow, that was, it was literally a flash flood. It came and it went. And people were out like myself, like zombies, like looking. And, and I, I would see people and I would have no idea what to, it's just like some people were crying. Some people just, just like me walking around like a zombie, like what? There's mud everywhere. There's boulders as large as cars. There is just a disaster. This is a nightmare. And there was someone who was walking around in the days uh, through that summer. Um, He was our, our former mayor and he was just, he had this attitude. Well, I don't know his spiritual belief, but I would say it was like a prophetic imagination that he could see beyond this nightmare that was Manitou in this destruction zone. And he saw like, let's rebuild. He was walking around looking people in the eyes and I remember the first thing he said to me after one of the disasters that summer, and there was just boulders everywhere, and, and that, that uh, a house that was destroyed, I, I saw him, and he said, hey, mayor, and I don't imagine he knew who I was, but he looked at me, and I expected him to say, like, what a disaster, like, this is, this is horrible. Instead, he looked at me and said, we're going to rebuild, and I just thought, yeah, yeah, we are going to rebuild. This, this is Manitou. Like, we are going to rebuild. And he, with this imagination that he, he was able to look beyond the nightmare and to see what is to come. And where he, say, he said, we're going to rally volunteers and, and, and we're going to rebuild. And it was just this, yeah, we are. It's, it's no surprise at all to me that this former mayor of ours is now representing uh, the Colorado House representatives. He's representing this whole bigger district because he, like Jonathan in the story, was able to look with his eyes and see a nightmare, but to see something beyond and to raise people up to go with him. In this case, he raises this armor bearer with him. I thought of another situation here amongst us at New Life Manitou, and I just thought about it this 
this morning, and I, I won't say this person's name. I don't want to embarrass them, but it's an honoring story. Um, someone in our congregation lost two family members in November in one single car crash, and it was a nightmare of a situation. I was out of town, and people in this church looked around and, and thought, um, one of them is Craig Mabus, who's sitting right here. I will say his name uh, to honor him, but he, he looked around, and instead of saying, someone's got to do something, he said, let's rally. Let's, let's pray. Let's, let's raise some funds for, the, for this person who has lost their family members. And it was while I was out of state, I was on vacation, uh, there was a rallying. And some of you were a part of the, our men's ministry. Tony and Tim and Kurt were a part of this rallying around this guy to support him and help him. And I think, I think about situations like that and look at this story and say, this applies for us today. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says this, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Think about this in our lives and, and, and looking around saying, man, somebody needs to do something. Like, think about this. Like, you have a spirit and it's God-given and it does not make you timid, but gives us power. So my question for us is, as we conclude this first point, is what situation is around you? What situations around us, whether in this church, in your job, at your school, in your town, where we live and manage? What situations are around us where we often think, man, someone needs to do something, but maybe it's us. Maybe the Lord is lifting us up, not in a spirit of timidity, but in a spirit of power that the Lord would work through us. That's point one. Point two is this. It's a direct quote from Jonathan. Point two of this sermon is about trust. This is the meat of this sermon. And it says this, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. This is a bold statement of trust that uh, Jonathan says to his armor bearer. This reminds me uh, this week, our Hayden, our uh, intern, where is he? I just saw him. Oh, there he is. Everybody's pointing. Where is he? He was here. Uh, he, he said, uh, uh, if he's here, he's hiding really good. Um, Hayden said uh, the word Godfidence. Have you heard this word? It was new to me. Hayden's like, that sounds like Godfidence, which is confidence in God, Godfidence. And it's, it's like, yeah, that's this statement. That is what Jonathan says to his armor bearer. He says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or few. He's going into this battle and he's just so confident that the Lord cannot be hindered, that he's ready for anything. Think about your own life. Uh, maybe the battle in your life is a crippling fear. Maybe it's speaking up for something. Maybe it's uh, uh, some bullies against you because you're a Christian. Maybe it's a sin that is entrapping you. The battles that we face in life, let's put our trust in the Lord like Jonathan does. There's a big difference between battling on our own, especially spiritual battles, when we just know like we're fighting this on our own. But where is God? Where is trust in God? And it needs to come and it needs to be there. It makes all of the difference in these battles. So maybe the battle you're, you're facing is something you need to do, like a solution God is calling you to do. Maybe I'm going to give you an example of something, maybe God's calling you not to do something. 
I think about uh, reading this book on the Desert Fathers. It's uh, church history nerd stuff. Some of you would love it. Uh, fourth, fifth century people went out to the desert like, and lived by themselves, became these great monks and nuns and the, uh, the church fathers, these desert fathers, very wise individuals. And uh, there's this story of a young man that goes to one of the desert fathers, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he goes and he wants vengeance. He says something has happened and in, in this person took advantage of him and his family and he wants vengeance. And so he goes to this desert father, this holy man, says, I want vengeance. What am I supposed to do? And this wise uh, desert father says, do nothing. Like, vengeance is the Lord's. You need to trust the Lord. And this young man would not hear it. He couldn't. He's like, no, but you don't understand. I need to go out and get vengeance. And so the, the, this wise man said, okay, well, let me just pray for you and, and pray. And he, I imagine him praying with one eye open, said, God, thank you that we don't need you at all, that we can do everything on our own. And this guy's like, well, no, 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 wait. And then he saw it. He realized what he's saying, and by getting this thing on his own strength, is he's saying he doesn't need God, but we do need God. Jonathan, in this situation, needs God. I mean, consider the situation at hand. He's part of the Israelites. Everybody's hiding. He can't even uh, rally the troops. Everyone's hiding in holes and caves. And he sees up on this cliff uh, an outpost of Philistines. And he has this wild idea. He turns to his armor bearer, and we read it. Sarah read it for us. He turns to his armor bearer and says, I got a great idea. I'm paraphrasing. Let's climb up this cliff that we probably need ropes for. Uh, I was talking to Jason Jackson, one of the pastors on staff with New Life Downtown. And I said, uh, what, what's this? He told me about the Hebrew words. And then he said, I've actually been there. I was like, wow, cool. You've been to this place where it is suspected that this was the cliff that uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer climbed. I said, wow, you've been there. I said, yes. He said, what's it like? And he said, there was no way I would ever climb this, even with ropes. Like it is, it's a sheer cliff face. These guys must have been crazy and, and courageous and, and full of the Lord's spirit to even be able to attempt to climb this thing, to free solo it without ropes, carrying things along the way. Not to mention like when you get to the top, it's not like uh, celebrate, take a rest. It's like get to war right there with people at the top that want to kill you. And if I was Jonathan in this story, like I don't really know too much about ancient warfare, but I would imagine like if you're two people going up against an entire outpost, like the only idea of anything logical is to go secretively, like to sneak up and get these guys. But part of the story is that they go out in full view of this outpost of Philistines. And part of the idea is if the Philistines call us up, then we will know that God is really with us and we will go and we will fight. Is that crazy? Is this whole thing crazy? It's crazy. It's insane. It's a harebrained idea, but it is an idea full of trust in the Lord. He says, come on up. Let's go to this outpost of these uncircumcised men. He's like calling them names in his confidence in the Lord. It's like, let's go up and get these muggles. Let's go up and get these Raiders fans. Let's go up and get these <laughs> hippies. Let's go get them. Like, the, like the, he's despising these people. And then he says this, perhaps, 
Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. But this statement starts off with perhaps. Like he's talking to his armor bearer who's about to like be like this is a suicide mission. And perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. He's very confident and knows that if the Lord does act on his behalf, then the Lord, nothing can hinder the Lord. And he's kind of like, perhaps the Lord will. Well, perhaps he won't. Isn't this like if we were to be honest about our confidence in the Lord, it's, it's full of, yes, we all know. And we know the Sunday school answer that, that the Lord can do anything and the Lord is good and he is mighty. And, and perhaps he's on our side. Like th- think about the confidence Jonathan has and this armor bearer, my second now favorite character in all of the Bible, of just following along. Yeah, like this armor bearer trusts so much in the Lord and through Jonathan that yes, perhaps the Lord is in this. And, And honestly, like their situation is such in this whole battle scene, like either the Lord is with them or they're not. Like they need a miracle. And if they don't get a miracle, they're all dead anyways. And so maybe the Lord is with them. And so we're gonna go in full confidence and full trust that maybe the Lord is with us. Reminds me of a story from years ago uh, before uh, I was married. I had uh, uh, some friends. I had one really close friend, and and we would uh, go camping together. We would go to church. He was a man of God. He was a man of prayer, just a really close friend. And as time progressed, like he was telling me, um, that he felt like the Lord was calling him to another country as a missionary. And we hung out so much. He was uh, a good buddy of mine. And I was like, no, don't go, man. And I remember like, like looking back very selfishly, um, asking him, like, how do you know for sure that the Lord is calling you? Like thinking back, it was, it was kind of a selfish question and kind of like a nagging question. Like, you know, are you really called to be a missionary in a foreign country? Like, can't you be a missionary here where you already know the language, you already know the culture? Like, I'm just kind of selfishly kind of stabbing at him, hoping he would stay. And my thing was like, you know, how do you really know that God is calling you? And his answer was kind of like Jonathan's, like full of courage, full of um, like a tenacity and trust for the Lord. He said, well, you know what? I, I don't know for sure, for sure. Like I didn't hear an audible voice that God is calling me to this foreign country to be a missionary, but I'm pretty sure. And, and I think I'm supposed to go. And so I'm going to give it my all. And this, this dude ends up selling everything he had, like his car and, and his stuff. And, and he goes overseas and he becomes a missionary. And still to this day, people are going over because of him and his work and his faithfulness and his trust. Jonathan's leadership is so brave. And in the end, he gets this armor bearer to go along with him. And he says this crazy line, which is our point number three, which is, go ahead, I am with you heart and soul. Consider that. Consider this, this is point number three. Go ahead, I'm with you heart and and soul. So we have the first point being like just become a solution. Like look for solutions around you that 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 you can be uh, the, the solution to a problem. The point two was was to trust in the Lord. That's really the heart of this whole sermon. And then it leads us to this character, this armor bearer, 
who looks at Jonathan's crazy plan of climbing something they probably need ropes for, getting to the top in full view of this Philistine outpost, and then starting a fight with them. It's a crazy idea, and for some reason, the only line of this armor bearer in the whole story is, go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. Verse 7, there's more to it. Verse 7 says, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. Think about this role of an armor bearer. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a traveling missionary here in Colorado Springs. If I said his name, you'd probably recognize he's very respected. And uh, I found out that one of uh, a guy I knew was this guy's armor bearer. And I was like, what does that mean? And he, was, he jokingly said, that means I just carry around his Bible wherever he goes. He's like a, someone who goes to different uh, uh, places and speaks. Says, I just carry his Bible around. And I come to find out, like, actually, this role was to be with him, to travel with him, to encourage him, to be his accountability partners, all these different roles of just going along heart and soul with this other person. I, was, I asked Erica, uh, she said uh, about being an armor bearer. This last year, uh, this month last year, um, one of Erica's friends lost her husband. And if I said his name, you'd probably recognize it because he was a police officer. He was killed in the line of duty. And Erica's good friends with the wife that lost her husband, uh, not the best friend. There was a best friend um, that really was the support for this woman who lost her husband and the father of her children. And so Erica last year at this time was like, I'm going to be the armor bearer to the armor bearer. I'm going to be someone who says, like this armor bearer says to Jonathan, I am with you heart and soul. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be present. I'm going to grieve. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to be obedient and loyal to this task of being an armor bearer. You know, those two words, obedience and loyalty, I don't think they're very respected words in our society. Uh, the word obedience immediately gets, gets like with obedience training and like dogs. And, and some people even have like, you say the word obedience and it's like a negative thing. Like uh, people automatically think of the bad examples of like obedience following someone who's doing wrong. And that's, that shouldn't be the case. Obedience is a good thing. Think about obedience to the right power. Think about obedience to a person who, like Jonathan, is fully aimed on glorifying and trusting in God. Think about obedience to a conviction. Obedience is a good thing. Loyalty is a really good thing. I think if, if you, when you hear the word loyalty, you probably think of that like punch card that's in your wallet that has like 15 drinks, and then you get a loyalty card to get your free drink, right? right anybody else? No? Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, loyalty is much more than that. Think about this. I, I, I wrote it down this way. I said, obedience and loyalty in the same direction for a long time will change the world. Like Jonathan and his armor bearer are completely obedient and loyal to the trust they have in the Lord. And they know that perhaps the Lord is on their side and nothing can hinder the Lord in what he wants to do. I think I was reminded, uh, Brett said, this is kind of like that old school. Some of you watched, not the reruns, but the real deal of Batman in the 1960s. And uh, the, the, the old, where they would go in, like Jonathan and his armor bearer, Batman and Robin, go in the place is full of bad guys and the music starts, da, 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 and, and, uh, and they start, bow, bam, boom, sing. And these things are like, wow, like in this story, 
This is Yahweh doing this great work. This is Yahweh's work. This is a miracle of God that these two guys have any business even scaling this mountain, any business winning this battle. And guess what happens? Like the, the Lord acts, and let me read it for us. This is verse 15. It says, a panic struck the whole army. This is the panic in the Philistines, the bad guys. I mean, some two guys just climb up a cliff and start whooping people. It says the number says they whoop 20 people over a half acre. Like these guys are just like mad out, courageous, brave, crazy for the Lord. And it creates a whole panic in the Philistine camp, those in the camp in the field and those outposts and the raiding parties and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Skipping to verse 22, this is what happens. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined in the battle in hot pursuit. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel. Like they won. Because of what? Well, because of this Jonathan's insane amount of trust in the Lord and his armor bearer who just says, I'm with you, heart and soul. This armor bearer, my second favorite character in all the Bible right now, uh, think about him. Like he, he, it seems like he is like the, the pendulum here that, that begins swinging. Jonathan has this crazy idea and maybe his armor bearer is even crazier because he's like, yeah, let's do this. Not only let's do this, but I'm with you, heart and soul. Everything about me is with you right now. He is willing to lay his life down for his friend. And this is what we should all emulate. Listen to this verse. These are the words of Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 13. Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. So as we emulate the armor bearer, we emulate him insofar as he is emulating Jesus. He, Jesus, um, not only lays his life down for his friends, but even the enemies, the enemies of God, the enemies, people that don't care about God. You know, I think about this story, like the armor bearer is willing to, to lay down his life for Jonathan, but Jesus in this story, like this overall Bible gospel story that, that Brett's going to do a, a Bible study on, if it all points to Jesus, well then, Who's going to lay their life down for the Philistines? Well, isn't it Jesus? Isn't it Jesus, God himself, come to us that will ultimately, he does, pay the price on the cross. And for all of us, he lays down his life. In so much, I was thinking about this this morning, that that we are like God's armor bearer. Like we can follow after God, heart and soul, and, and we could put all of our trust in, we could be like God's armor bearer, but in the same time, like somehow this mystery is that God is like our armor bearer. He takes this role and serves us. He is willing to die for us that he might lift us up to the Father, full of, of grace and truth and, and goodness. I want to ask you a question. I want to invite you to stand up as we think about this, this armor bearer, to think about Jesus' words about laying down our life. The band, you guys can come up. If you're serving communion, you'll come up as well to prepare the table. But if you would bow your head and, and think about 
this sermon. Think about these words in the text of Scripture. Think about um, solutions around you that maybe the Lord is leading you to. Think about your own trust in the Lord. Think about friends around you, the friends that you have, and that you would say you're serving people. Think about um, the main point of this sermon is trust. Trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord for our own salvation. See, we can't do this on our own. There is no way two guys, Jonathan and his armor bearer in the story, had any business climbing a cliff, had any business uh, going up against an entire army, but they do because the Lord is with them and they have um, success because the Lord is with them. So as we consider this, let's pray. Lord, we trust in you for our salvation. Lord, as we're going to be led to your table, Lord, we, we ask you to build trust and faith inside of us. Lord, that we might, in, in our own lives, in our own situations, be so bold like Jonathan and this, this young man, this armor bearer that goes dashing into the future, dashing into your ways and, and your battle because they have so much trust in you. So Lord, lead us into this time. Lead us into this time of receiving from you, receiving from your table, Lord.